0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. So hallelujah, I'm going to talk about seeking and hungering, having a hunger for God. And, And it's a great time of the year to do that because normally what we do as Christians is we sort of want to switch off. We want to sort of like say like yo, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna rest in November, December. I'm gonna, you know, there's a we, we sort of put these things in front of us. But the challenge is that um, even if you rest in the flesh, in the physical, if you don't learn to rest in the spiritual, you'll be you'll be having trouble because the problems will just come. You know, they they they're gonna they gonna come find you where you are. And we need to learn to rest in God, we need to learn to seek Him and to be hungry after him and to to never lose that hunger, uh never lose that desire for God. The moment when you and I stop growing, we're in trouble and uh do you know most people in the in the Bible they had an encounter with God, it always started with an encounter, and that encounter made them more hungry for God, so the, it wasn't because they were trying harder because They had to seek God. Now, the Bible says we can only love him because he first loved us. We can only seek him because he first came to seek and save us who were lost. He was not lost, you know. Uh, Some people say, like, I found Jesus. No, 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 sorry. Jesus found you, (laughs) you know. It's not like I I went looking for Jesus and then I got born again. No, he came to find me where I was lost, where I was a sinner, where I was like nowhere, you know. So we can only give to God what he has already given us. And I love what um, Tim Keller says. He says that um, the most important thing about mankind is what we think when we think about God. Who do you think God is? Because your perception will determine your reaction or your response to him. So if you think he's an angry man with a stick up there that he's just sin conscious, you're going to be in trouble because you're going to respond to him in that way. And every Christian Uh, If you are a Christian here this morning, then you can either live in one of three spaces with God. You can be God conscious, meaning focusing on the Lord. You're hungry for Him. You're always looking at what He's doing. You can be self-conscious, meaning you're always focusing on what you must do and what you must fix. Or you can be sin conscious, meaning that you're always about right or wrong. And we have to daily choose in what space of those three we're going to live either God-conscious, self-conscious, or sin-conscious. Self-conscious can also mean like, oh, Lord, you just need to bless me, and I need to be successful for Jesus. I need to be wealthy for Jesus. We just add the for Jesus, you know? Or we can be sin-conscious. It's always like we're in legalism. We're into like, you know, doing stuff, and it's a lot of set of rules. And um, our, our students... They go out here on campus and um, do pub ministry, and it was actually funny. It was a massive compliment. Um, and so Chris told me, he must, he's not here. I think he's at the other service, but um, uh, he said to me, so they, they're talking to this guy, and this guy said, said to him, yeah, 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 he's also a Christian, you know, uh, but, he's, he's, he, but, but but he must... He must realize that he's, he's in the pub probably too much, you know, much more than what he's at church ever. But but he's, you know, there's, he's, he's sort of an in-between Christian. And um, so he said, like, on, on this one side, you know, there's, he really doesn't want to be like these conservative religious people on the one side. And he mentioned very conservative churches. I'm not going to mention their names. But um, so he says, not on that side. But on the other side, he doesn't want to be like these shofar people, yeah? They, they just... They're just too, too tense, you know. They're just, they're just going flat out for Jesus, but he doesn't want to be a Christian like that, you know. He wants to be in between. So they sp- spoke for 30 minutes, and at the end of the 30 minutes, he says, so what church are you in? He says, no, I in mean Shofa." He says, oh, sorry, sorry, you know. <laughs> and I thought, what a compliment, you know, if uh, people say you're too focused on the kingdom of God, you know. Um, and we, we're not talking about being driven, but we're talking about our hunger, you know. In the Middle East, even, They have two groups of people in the church. They say they call them members and they call them Christ followers. They say there are lots of people that are just members of the church. There are lots of people that just attend events. But then there are Christ followers. And I think what COVID is doing in so many circumstances and the economy and a lot of stuff, it's busy shaking the church in the West especially. It's shaking the church from the just the members, people that just attend, people that just do it because out of their sin or self-consciousness, and then there's other people that are hungry for God, other people that are seeking God, and so, so I'm so blessed by you being here this morning because you could have been many other places, you know, cycling races and running up the mountain, there's so many other places, but you know. Um, and, and so many people write God and the church sort of into their schedule once every year or once, you know, Christmas or at, at Easter or whatever. Uh, but there is a group of people that God is raising up that says, Lord, we really want to serve you. We, we, we want to do things the way that you want us to do it. And I'm, I must be very honest. I'm very challenged by the church in the Middle East. If you want to be challenged, go read a book, The Insanity of Obedience. And see what the norm of 70% of the church is that's being persecuted. I'm very challenged when I read the Bible and I see that, you know, um, most of the books written by Paul, for instance, was either he was in prison or he was writing to a group of people that were persecuted for their faith. So we're the, not the norm. It's coming to the church in the West, but we're not the norm for the freedom we have. But sometimes the devil leaves us because we become comfortable. You know, in China, China's persecution is increasing again the last couple of years. But there was a 10 10 years, I think 10 or 15 years gap. And you know what the Chinese government said? They said the church is growing so fast in China. We have a massive problem, but we can't stop them. The more we persecute them, the more they grow. So what should we do? Let's just leave them. Let's stop persecuting them. And in those 10, 15 years, the church stopped growing. They got divided. They got comfortable. Because it was just nice. So, it's getting very quiet. Where's the people Yeah, I can't Okay, so listen to what David, David had a heart after God in 1 Chronicles 28. And we're starting a series on seeking and being hungry for God, especially in this time of the year. Okay. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, this is not David giving instruction at the end of his life to his son. He says, now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you might possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Isn't it amazing words that he gives his son, you know? The man who built God wanted to build God a house and a temple, but he was mostly intense. But the one who had the greatest kingdom, you know, David's kingdom was one of the biggest kingdoms that was ever around. It stretched right here to the south of Africa, right to the east, you know. But he had one thing. He knew and had a heart for the presence of God. He became very undignified when he's, uh, um, when the The Ark of the Covenant came back and he started dancing, you know, and then his wife was sitting up there and she was just looking at and she's like, oh, the king shouldn't dance like this, you know, and then he, this famous words that he says, I will become more undignified than this because dignity is not a fruit of the spirit. I mean, (laughs) yeah, we, we sometimes become professional Christians and, and so the question again, I'm going to ask it 10 times today is how hungry are you for God? You know, our theme scripture for the year is, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. And that means that there's a, there's a pursuit, there's a seeking, there's a drawing unto him. And so this is what David says and later on in chapter 28. Then, gave, then David gave his son, son Solomon the plans of the temple and... And in verse 12, it says, and the plans for all that he had by the Spirit. So there was a, there was a real desire. Even the building that he was building was uh, directed by the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes what we do is we switch off the Holy Spirit when it comes to our engineering works, when it comes to our painting, when it comes to our whatever we do out there. And we say, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just going to be there at the event, the Christian event. But that's really where you can see God. It's in your workspace, in your family, at home, where you go, seek the Lord, okay? Um, Ask Him for ideas. You know, when I was working as a financial manager, I would, uh, you know, eventually became an IT manager. I was really challenged many times, stuff I just really didn't know. And then I remember one day I was sitting in this big meeting and I didn't just know how to do it because we had a couple of million rands of project that we had to do and I was in charge and so I just prayed, I said, Lord, I have no clue. You need to help me, you know. And so at a stage, the big director, the MD, asked like, okay, Sias, what do you think about this? And I thought like, oh, here we go, you know. <laughs> you know? And, um, and so we just had our first baby as well, so I didn't sleep well at all, you know. But so, <clears throat> so I was sitting there, and the next moment I just stood up and I said, okay, Lord, you need to help me. And the Lord actually gave me a download <laughs> of how we should do this stuff, you know. And as I'm busy talking, the funniest thing happens. I'm thinking, like, I hope somebody's recording what I'm saying right now because I'm going to forget what I'm saying, you know. So I'm just writing point one, two, and I'm just going. And the MD says at the end, he says, like, wow, that is amazing. We should probably give you a raise. I said, yes. (laughs) And I was thinking, like, "Whoa, you know, that's so cool. But I, I learned that, you know, we become religious around God because, Sometimes God wants to move in places where you think he doesn't want to move. And that's when you seek, it means you need to, something is hidden. It's not, it's not God is not just going to give you the kingdom. He's not just going to give you and show you his heart. You need, you need to seek. You need to spend time with the Lord. That's why yesterday was so beautiful when we did encounter three and we were just, the whole day just taking out, reading scripture, seeking the face of the Lord, yeah? And, um, and just the testimonies of God speaking to people and delivering people. So Luke 11 verse 9, Jesus said, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be open." If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Sure. Matthew 7, verse 7 to 8, ask, And it will be given to you, seek, and you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. So there's three things he says: ask, seek, knock. It's, it's it's so simple, and yet, we sometimes come to this place where we sort of lose that hunger, we lose that that desire um, to to say, Lord, like, oh, maybe I know everything, or maybe I'm not good enough. We we use excuses, but when you ask, you ask not in vain, you always ask a person. So it means like there's a relationship aspect to asking. <laughs> ask God, ask, ask the people around you. Never lose your teachability, never lose your hunger for him. You know, and it means that there's a connection with a person, it's with God or the people, the community that you're in. And secondly, if you seek, you need faith. You need to realize like there's something that's hidden, something I must go and find, something that that I need to go after, that is a mystery. I need to seek, you know, I don't know, how many parents are here? You know, there's a a place where you play a little game, hide and seek, you know? But um, there is a stage, probably at three years, three of their age, where they have got no clue how to play that game, but they love playing that game, okay? So what um, my... my, uh, I'm not, not allowed to talk about my teenager, but, but I can talk about my matric girl. So when she was small, then she would go into, she would run says, say, Daddy, Daddy, let's go play hide and seek. So like, okay. And then she would run to one place. And then she always goes behind the curtain. The exact same space, place, every time. Says I'm coming, I'm coming, and then you go and you go like, are you here? Are you there? Are you there? And then, and eventually, then she will be behind the curtain. And it's like, oh, you know, and then you find them, yeah, (laughs) and then and then it's like, as if it's the first time you're playing that game, yeah. And uh, and then you do it over and over and over and over again until they're about uh, six or seven. And then they start hiding, and then you can really not find them. You can actually go drink coffee in between because they're normally in the neighbor's tree or they've gone to Worcester or somewhere over. You know, when they're 18 or 20, then they've gone to another country, and you don't know where they are anymore. You just... Sometimes worried, you know, but in any case, in the middle of the night. But so you always play hide and seek with your children. It's just depending on what age they are, you know. But, but why is it so intriguing for kids to be found and to seek? Because God has built that in us. It's such a, it's such a simple game. <laughs> but everybody wants to be found and everybody wants to seek. Okay, now your You're turn. Your turn. Your turn. <laughs> and so, so when we seek, when we knock, the knocking is meaning that there is a door that's closed. That door must open. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's a, it's a persistent, urgent desire that produces something. It produces a discovery. And so, so Jesus says, don't, don't ever lose that in your life. Don't come and say, oh, it's October, I'm tired, you know. I'm going to stop seeking. Oh, December, I'm going to switch off because I'm at the sea. No, that's the time when you have a lot of time, and that's the time when you need to seek the Lord, because do you know what? It's only God that can fulfill you. It's only God that can satisfy you. You can go and seek Him in lots of other stuff. You'll be quickly, instantly maybe satisfied, because, hey, it's great to go on holiday. But if there's not a spiritual seeking, you will not be satisfied in your inner being. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Okay? Because we we sometimes think like, wow, if I just switch off my body and I go to a place of rest, that is true rest. And that's very important that we do that. But there's another place where Christians must press in seeking the face of God, seeking the heart of God. And so that's why it says, ask, seek, and knock. What does that mean in and uh, Numbers 32, we read this, None of the men who came up from Egypt, from 21 years old and upward, shall see the land which I saw to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, for they did not follow me fully. There was a whole generation that died in the wilderness because they couldn't wholly surrender, wholly seek. Uh, the Bible is so full of stories like this. It says, when you find the pull of greatest price, go sell everything you have. <laughs> Why? Because you've discovered the pull of greatest price. And so that is who God is. But we've lost that because we become professional. We've lost that because we become churchgoers. Hey, I'm in the church for 20 years, you know. So what can you teach me? <laughs> oh, oh no, no, no. I, I want to go a bit more deeper. You know, I want to just understand all the predestination and election and how it works with the second coming and the Amalekites and the Parasites and the Deborahs. We get so complicated that we lose our childlikeness. And I'm not saying, hey, those things are not important. But if it's a hunger after doctrine, you're going to be in trouble. If it's a hunger after the supernatural, you're going to be in trouble. Because you need to see God. <laughs> you, need to, you need to desire him. And, and we lose that because the devil lies to us and say, he says to us that God is boring and that you've, you've had enough. You, you sort of, you've sort of arrived. Never think that you've arrived as a Christian. You will never arrive. When we get to heaven, there's going to be like, millions of years of wow 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 just like wow you know it's just gonna be like wow you know you're gonna be shocked when you see in heaven if just what scripture describes of heaven (laughs) and yet the devil lies to us here and says to us now do you know this christianity but it's just a bit boring you know i have more fun in the world than what i have you've already been set up with a lie Because sometimes we choose our flesh above seeking God. But there was a whole, there was a whole generation that lost it. And um, I'm just more aware of the fact that God is not sentimental about his kingdom and his purposes. God will make a whole generation go to heaven, but they will never see the promised land. There were two guys that were hungry, Joshua and Caleb. They had a different spirit. Never think that you, are, you and I are more special than the purposes of God or the kingdom of God. If you're a servant, you realize like, Lord, you invite me to this massive privilege of serving you. And I just want to be like that donkey in Shrek. Pick me, Lord, pick me. (laughs) I'm going to be part of what you're doing, you know? But somehow in the back of our minds, we think, like, oh, God, you actually owe me the kingdom. Sorry, but God will move on and leave a whole generation in the wilderness and take the hungry ones through. I have to say that to us because somewhere at the back of the mind, we think, like, we're so special that God just, He needs us. And He, and he must use us because, hey, we come to church. Sure. It's getting very quiet yet, Tayo. I don't know what's happening, but it's just... Weird. But don't be... I'm not talking about heaven. I'm not talking about you making it to heaven and loving God. But if you have that hunger, if you say like Joshua and Caleb, like, hey, I, I want to be part of that generation that goes into the promised land. And the promised land may be full of giants. The promised land may be like, whoa, not, the, not like the natural thing we look at. It's not about the prosperity gospel, but it's about finding God in the promised land. It's about overcoming with God in the promised land. And then it doesn't matter what the promised land looks like. If God says it's the promised land, it's the promised land. It's your promised land. If Stellenbosch is the promised land, then you say, God, you've called me here on a mission. I'm here on a mission in this town. I'm not just living here because there's nice mountains and Nice cycling stuff and all that stuff. I'm sent on a mission. This is not my home. I'm just passing through, and that means wholehearted surrender. Sure, that also means no compromise. You know, we made the news this week with some of students and people that were praying, and I, I just like you know, when the devil ever ever plays his hand, always listen to what the devil says. If the devil accuses you in a certain way, just go the opposite spirit and do exactly what he accuses you of. So it means we must consecrate our homes, we must live, we must pray, walk our our areas, and we we must start to pray because the devil hates it when the people of God step up and speak peace over their town and speak peace over, you know, so he always overplays his hand. Just go and listen to what he says, and then you just do exactly the opposite Because he wants to intimidate, he wants to take you out of the purposes of God. And so, I love what Daniel, you know, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 3, he says, um, when his friends and everybody was standing, the friends were saying to the king, "If if that is the case, our God, when we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. That's when the king wanted to throw them in the fire. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the God image, the gold image which you have set up. It says, whether God delivers us or not, that's not what it's about. We'll find God in the fiery furnace. And that's exactly what happened. When they were thrown into the fire, somebody walked with them in that fire. Isn't that an amazing picture? It says, but, but for our hot attitude, whether God delivers us, whether he prospers us or not, that's not the issue. It's about being with God. It's about knowing God in this space. But you know, Daniel was an exile under Nebuchadnezzar. They um, changed the name, or they even changed their names. There was so much compromise in the time of Daniel. There were so many challenges to just conform to the image of this world. But what did he do? You know, the food that was offered to idols, they were, just, they were living in a space where it was crazy. To follow their God. But they decided we're not going to compromise. You cannot fear God and fear man at the same time. If you compromise, if you live in that space, and the church in the West is under massive pressure to compromise, to become just seeker-sensitive. I I remember going with some Angus to to America, and I was shocked (laughs) We went to a couple of big churches, massive churches. Now, so the, your first perception when you walk in to that massive church is because there is a lot of people, it must be successful. Yo, I was shocked. I remember this one church at the end of the service, beautiful scripture, hope in Jesus. Every, there was nothing non-scriptural. But at the end of that service, I just felt the Holy Spirit says, like, People are welcome here, but I'm not welcome here. And I was really like grieved. I thought like, sure. Lord, never say that of Shofar Stellenbosch. Never say that of my life. People are welcome there, but Jesus isn't. The Holy Spirit isn't. You see, because if we become so seeker-sensitive, and we do love people, we do, you know, not judge them and sla- you know, slam them with the Bible and eat them with the Bible, We're going to meet them where they're at. But we cannot meet them in the way that is attractive to the world. Holiness means we are separate. We are different. And people will come and say, like, hey, you've got something that I want. And I've seen it so many times. Being in Rwanda, one day this lady, three ladies came running to us because we were, like, in this place where there was just a lot of corpses and a lot of people just after the genocide we went to pray there and three ladies came running up to us now we didn't wear a fish on our head or a I love Jesus sticker or like yeah we had funky shoes on and three Bibles on our hands we were just walking through the place and praying and these three ladies came running and said like you have something that we want when you walked in here there was a light shining over you do you know Jesus she asked and I was thinking like Sure, I must wear this clothes more, you know. <laughs> it's just like crazy. It wasn't about the natural. It was about the light that was shining because we represented something. It was just after the genocide. Almost a million people got killed. There was just so much darkness and fear and anxiety. And these three ladies ran up to us and said, like, We want what you have because you look completely different than the rest of the people that we see. That doesn't mean like drink prune juice and like, oh, holiness, oh, we holy. Shh. Thy speaketh unto thy earth that thy are holiest. Because the Lord is different. No. It's all about him. It's amazing how people speak differently. Because the Lord is with thee. It's like, like almost like the words must go down, you know, at the end. Because he speaketh unto thy earth. you think like, what did you eat last night? You know, <laughs> what, you know, you know the, the, the Saturday Christian and the Sunday Christian. You know, but people come like, oh, unto thee. It's like we speak softer, as if the Lord is not willing to raise His voice. But have, have you read the Psalms? Clap your hands, all your people! Shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph! <laughs> you know, it's just like the saints of god you know have the high praises in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hands when i read scripture there's a lot of exclamation marks yeah you know? and that's where you should get excited that's where you should like yay you know Well, okay i'm doing that because you know we need to freak out some of the religious stuff but in our hearts we're all better religious you know we're sort of like no 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 don't be just like be a bit more calm be a bit more you know because i'm gonna get very excited about the soccer and the rugby but but you know, in church, I can't get excited about the Lord. But if I read Scripture, "Kuna machantas," yeah. And I, I, I must say, I want to, I, I want to go with uh, with the Kenyans and the Ugandese and the Ghana people. I want to go with them. I want to walk with them in with a band into heaven one day. You know, the Western people are just too quiet. You know, there is noise and they shout. That's that's what I love about, especially Middle African people. You know, they if they greet you, they don't greet you like. Hey brother. Blessed unto thy earth. It's just like at least a half more, you know. Say, like, yes, Pastor Sias, How are you doing? And it's like from the other side you can hear them a mile away and I say like bring it on Africans. We need to get it there, you know. But but it's amazing how we we get stuck, you know? Because um I did a wave offering to the Lord, you know. But there was no compromise. In James chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Or oh, do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells with us in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. What a, what a, what a beautiful scripture! The spirit inside of you yearns jealously for your relationship with God. God is jealous about your hunger. God is jealous about your yearning. What do you yearn for? What, what, what is that thing inside of you that you hunger for, that you desire? And he wants to change your desire. You can't just do it on yourself by because you psych yourself up. And tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up at 4 a.m. because that's going to make me more hungry for God. No, it's the Holy Spirit inside of you. But you need to give him that space. You need to say to him, Lord, come and yearn jealously inside of me. Because God is a jealous God. He's jealous about what you spend your time with, what you spend your finances on, what you spend your weekdays on. What you, and God is a jealous God. And the only reason it's different than the jealousy of the world, the jealousy of the world is like competitive and it's, it's, it's just like he yearns to have time with you and he yearns to have your life. He yearns because why? why he's, he's not changed by, by you worshiping him or I worshiping him. He's not changed by, you know, us hungering for him. He, we can't change him. But God knows the best thing that he can give to you is himself because you'll change into his image. He's not a selfish being and nothing can be added. He's perfect. He's holy. And so the, the amazing invitation is come not because he needs it, but because you need it <laughs> and I need it. Take your finger, turn to your neighbor, okay? And then you say, I want to tell you, I need God. Then turn to that finger to that self, okay? Tell them, I want to tell you, I need God. <laughs> cool. But it says here, The spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. Again, an exclamation mark. But he gives more grace and he says, the attitude by which we come is a teachability, it's a humility. He gives grace. He gives you an opportunity in that space where you are humble. But when you're proudful, God will resist you. But when you're humble... God will give you grace. He will enable you to, to yearn more even for him. So so again, I want to say it's not about your effort. <laughs> because some of us, the accountants like myself, would think like, I need to psych myself more up. No, no, no. You need to surrender more. You need to give up more control. And, and just be very honest and say, God, you know, I'm just not less. I, I just... I actually don't want to read my Bible. I actually don't want to, because that's where humility starts, is by pure honesty before God, a brokenness before God. But God help. Children does that all the time, you know. But when we grow old, we want to fix everything and we want to be in control. But so that's where it starts. It's like, say, Lord, come and show me how much you jealously yearn for my relationship with God. Come and come and bring me to a place of repentance. Come and bring me to a place. Because that's what repentance means, is a change of mind, of action and direction. I, Lord, I can't go on in the way that I've been going on. Because I really, Lord, think that that pornography or that other stuff will satisfy me. I need to repent. I need to turn back, Lord. But I can't just, even in myself, you need to grant me. Therefore, I humble myself before you. Then I resist the devil and he will flee from me because I submit to God. But when I draw near, he will draw near. Who draws first? Us, okay. We said it at Encounter 3 and 4 this weekend. There were two sons, you know. And uh, George preached on it a couple of weeks ago. The prodigal sons. The one is the one full of shame that had to return. And the other one was the one full of self-righteousness that never returned into the father's house. There was a fatted calf, but somebody had to come to their senses. Somebody came and said like, well, maybe it's better here in the shameful place with the pigs than, it's better at my father's house than here with the shameful pigs. The other son said, I want the fatted calf, but I want it with my friends. So both, we all have a part of shame and we have a part of self-righteousness. Both parts of us must come into the Father's house. But it takes humility. Draw near to Him, and He will draw near to you. Listen to it. We're going to end with uh, three scriptures. Are you still with me? Cool. So I'm excited. So hallelujah. I'm just preaching at myself most of the time. Psalm 34 verse 10. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence once a year, once a week. No, seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually, every day. Psalm 103, Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. That's what worshipers do. That's what a hungry group of people do. And I want to challenge and invite us because the Holy Spirit wants to yearn jealously within us. Not just over one or two people. Yes, the students, they're going wild for the Lord. You know, they're just like, yo, 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 you know, and we have to sort of tell them sometimes, hey, study, study, study. That's you know part of worshiping the Lord. Yeah. But why do we lose it when we get older? Well, sometimes because Business of this world, the responsibilities of this world, the things. But most of the time, because we are lied to, we believe the Father of lies. We think God is boring. We think like God isn't really enough. We think like maybe I'm not going to really be satisfied in Him. Maybe the things of the world will satisfy me more. And you know, they will satisfy you because it's a quick fix. It's a, it's a quick instant gratification. And the world has been trained to go for quick fixes, quick stuff. But you know the next day, <laughs> you can run for that trophy. You can run for that marathon. And oh, it's great, you know. Been planning for three years to run the comrades. And that's massive. Okay. How much of that planning have you done for the kingdom of God? Oh, no, you can't say it like that, pastor. You know, I need to exercise my body, you know, and I need to pay 10,000 rand to go fly up to the comrades, plan for three years, exercise for three years because I'm going to do the comrades. Okay, great. Have you ever done that for a mission trip? Have you ever done that for any venture in the kingdom of God? oops, Anna. don't fool yourself. Don't say that you don't have discipline. <laughs> don't say that you don't have the effort. <laughs> God is a jealous God. but The Holy Spirit wants to release. Now, I'm not saying, please don't say, I say, you know, <laughs> that the conference is bad or doing the Iron Man or all of that stuff. But I see how Christians... Spend weeks, months, years on meticulously planning those things of our lives, but sure. So if you do the comrades, please just take other people that you disciple with, then at least hallelujah. Get some one or two students that doesn't know the Lord or that just came to know the Lord and say, hey, we're going to do the comrades and we're going to read scripture as we do the comrades. Not as you run, but as you plan, as you drive there. If the the comrades is a bigger mission than just getting a little medal, hallelujah. If your mountain biking is a bigger mission because you're taking other people with, because those are the only things you can take with to heaven is people, then hallelujah. Because maybe that's the strategy how you reach them, but I'm here on a mission. Sure, it's getting very quiet. But I'm, I'm just re- eating some raw nerves <laughs> sometimes because sometimes we fool ourselves. And I know I'm speaking to the converted because it's a beautiful day out there. You could have been at Ponte Yivel and Breke Yivel and a Yivel and Over the Yivel and all the other places. Okay, so you're doing well. Okay, I'm not fighting with us. But where you are, there's always a next step of saying, God, I will only be satisfied in you. Because all these things will pass away. And what will I take with me? It's the revelation of who he is. It's the time spent with him. The time where I invited other people to be with him. It's the only things I can take with me. And so that's the the challenge for the church in the West. People like us that are so busy, so full of planning and all those stuff. All I'm asking you is take one step, just one step more. Just one step of drawing near to him. Will you stand with me this morning as we're going to pray for each other? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.